Welcome to the Testimony Service Podcast, the podcast that will encourage you, increase your faith, and draw you closer to God. I'm your host, Martina. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So in an effort to help our listeners' faith increase, each episode will begin with the scripture. Today's scripture comes from Psalm chapter 9, verse 10 in the Amplified Version. And those who know your name, who have experienced your precious mercy, will put their confident trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not abandoned those who seek you. And now for episode 21, The Rebellious One. My name is Patricia Wagner. I am originally from Cameroon, Africa. I grew up in France and I'm also a French national. And I currently live in the UK since about 11 years now. I hope that my story is going to help you out there struggling to know that God can change your life for good. So here we go. I was traumatized at a very young age. When I was only eight years old, I was regularly kissed by men in their 20s. My parents had no idea. At the age of 10, one of my aunts living in France offered to adopt me and three of my cousins, two of whom were real sisters. She had no children and therefore preferred to adopt some children in the family. My parents happily gave their consent So I left Cameroon, Africa, for Strasbourg, France. Things quickly took a turn for the worse in France. Our aunt insisted that she was the only one who who we should now consider as our real mother. And we had to tell everyone that she was our only real mother and that the four of us were real sisters, although only two of us were real sisters. My aunt explained to us that we had to do so, so that um, the equivalent of the social services in France would not think that we were unhappy with her and they would then eventually separate us from her. So I gradually started telling the truth to my friends at school. My friends then uh, told my cousins my cousins then told my aunt at home and um, I started being called the rebellious one. The clothes my aunt bought us were also considered completely old fashioned. So people would laugh at us at school. We were considered weirdos. So I started accepting to borrow from my friends fashionable clothes on the way to school or on the way to the bus stop, I would change and wear the clothes that I had borrowed from my friends. So around the age of 14, 15, I would steal clothes so that I would have more fashionable clothes to wear. Since I was starting to have a lot of clothes, I had a problem because I couldn't no longer hide all of them just in my school bag and I had to find another hiding place. So I started hiding my clothes in the basement because in France, each building has like a basement. One day, the person who looks after the building saw me and uh, he caught me. He wanted to know what I was doing. And uh, so I told him, He understood and told me that he would say nothing to anyone. 
Then he started wanting something from me sexually. I was under the age of 18. So I refused. And when I used to meet him with his wife and his children in the elevator, he acted as if nothing was going on. And I did the same too. But in my heart, I was thinking, my God, is this what the world is like? And uh, no one knew that this was going on. I mean, my aunt didn't know, my cousins didn't know, and most of my friends as well didn't know. Now we get to the part where I talk about how I got involved with the boys that are in the gang in my neighborhood. They were dangerous, they were using drugs and regularly going to prison, but I didn't care. For me, hanging out with them meant that I wasn't spending time in my aunt's house, you know, and I wasn't happy because I was traumatized. We could not call our parents, our real parents. All the letters that we used to send to our parents who were in Africa, they were double-checked by my aunt. So we had to say that we were happy. We had to say that everything was fine and it wasn't the case for me. My aunt didn't think, she didn't mean evil. She wanted to do her best, you know, but this wasn't the way to do it. And so I was desperate for the love and affection of a man and thought that I could find this with these boys. On the contrary, they sexually assaulted me. It all started the day I was at my friend's house. I met one of them and something happened between him and I in the stairs of a building. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And this was me discovering the world and discovering what really happens. I could not talk to people about that. And I remember the whole night I, I was shaking. I was just shaking from what had happened with this guy because I didn't know that this is what was going on. At that time, I just wanted, you know, to have a boyfriend. I, I was just desperate for someone's affection. And obviously I was not a born again Christian. The other one I had something with went to prison and another one tried to approach me and I told him I wanted a boyfriend and he started asking me for a sexual favor as well. And I did it thinking that, you know, this was going to be a, a love story starting, but it wasn't the case. So another day as I was passing by, one of them called me and said that someone wanted to talk to me and the person was inside the basement of that building. When I went inside, there was a whole group of boys in there waiting. They immediately started asking me for sexual favors. Uh, I thought I was not hearing properly, but everything was real. I tried to explain to them that I was not that kind of girl they thought I was. I was a good girl and I just wanted a boyfriend. Uh, some guys who were there left the basement, others stayed. And uh, they did not let me go. They refused and they said that I had to do what they were asking me to do. I had no choice. I, I did it, uh, what they were asking me to do. And uh, it's only then that they let me go. We stayed about two hours in, the, in that basement that day where I was trying to tell them no. And they kept telling me, no, you'll do it, you know. And one of them even started insulting me at one point. I just went back home that day. I just acted as if everything was normal. So the boy's version of the story came out and my reputation was tarnished. Many of my friends who had big brothers forbade their sisters 
to ever hang out with me again. So I literally saw friendships that ended overnight, just like that. Because I had no one else, I kept hanging out with the guys who hurt me. One day they took me to a hotel, did not pay for the room, and told the person working at the reception, he was a man, that I was going to pay him by granting him a sexual favor. He didn't force me. Somehow he was kind and he let it go and he offered to drive me back to my place. The same boys hanging out with me would throw stones at me when they saw me on the street during daytime, if I was alone. Because in France, this is what you do to a girl who they put in the category where I was. You would throw stones in that direction because she's not a good girl. When I finished my adventures with them, it was 3 or 4 a.m. I couldn't go and ring my doorbell. So what I would do, there was a beach nearby called uh, Le Bagherze, and I would go there, find a place where no one could see me, um, like where the trees are and all that, and I would sleep there. I would sleep three, four hours, and in the morning, depending on how I look like, if I didn't look too dirty, too messed up, I would go back home to my aunt's place and say that I slept at a friend's house or I would go to a friend's house if I didn't look too good, have a shower there and eat breakfast and everything and then later on return to my aunt's place and say that I slept at a friend. I would just vanish, they wouldn't see me again, you know, and I would be gone for one or two days and they wouldn't know where I am, you know, and then I would just come back. So this is what was happening. So when I went for my E-levels, which we call le baccalauréat in France, I couldn't learn properly because with everything going on, it was absolutely chaos in my life. But I managed to pass my E-levels. And after that, I disappeared for a week because now I was free. That was the last day after that is university. At that point, my aunt called my dad in Africa and she said to him, Patricia, we don't know where she is. She's gone. No one knows. We've alerted the police. And my mom literally, she told me afterwards she broke down and she told my father, you need to go and rescue my daughter. What is going on? So my father came to France and I told my father, I'm not happy. I cannot live with my aunt anymore. My father now decided to take me to Germany because I had family members there. So Germany was supposed to be my new fresh start where I succeed and I become this best version of myself. And I still wasn't a born again Christian then. I found a new rebellious crew to hang out with. From morning to night, we were now smoking cannabis. I tried ecstasy as well and another drug called PEP in Germany, which you sniff. We used to drink alcohol and party a lot. So I wasn't even going to university every day because we were always high. I also entered a very tumultuous and violent relationship. My now ex-husband, we used to fight to the point that the police had to be called. One day I wanted to kill myself and I swallowed uh, some medicine 
that wouldn't have killed me, by the way. And when the ambulance was called, they took me to a mental health facility straight away. And I was kept there for seven days. I was 20 years old. I did not know that if you said you wanted to kill yourself, this is where you get brought to. And I discovered that I was pregnant. And that is the reason why I was so sensitive and had a lot of emotions. My family said that I should have an abortion so I can go to university, finish my studies before starting a family. So I went to Belgium where one of my cousins was a doctor and the abortion was carried out at that hospital. This experience remains the most horrible, perhaps the worst of my life. The abortion had to be done through a method called manual vacuum aspiration because I was too far advanced to just take a pill. And as you can imagine, it's like your vacuum cleaner that you use at home to do your housework. But this one is one that they would insert inside you and just suck the features out. I regret having done that. And through my faith in Jesus today, I was able to forgive myself and positively move forward. And now my father encouraged me to start afresh. So with my boyfriend, we decided to move to the UK. One month after arriving in the UK, and six months after that abortion I had, I discovered that I was pregnant again. And my mother told me to keep the baby this time. My boyfriend and, and I were happy to be in a new environment, but things were as bad as ever between us. While we were staying at the hostel, we had such a brutal fight that the police had to be called. And I was pregnant at that time. When the police came that day, they checked me. The baby was obviously fine because I wasn't bleeding, nothing. And after that incident, a girl who was staying at that hostel and who was a born-again believer invited me to go to church with her the very next day. I was desperate for a change and traumatized by what happened. And I still wasn't into the, you know, what being a born-again Christian means. But I said, yes, I did not hesitate. As I went to church, I felt something. In a way, I could understand everything that was being preached. I felt a very strong connection with the messages. I was understanding. And I, and I was like, I just naturally understand what they're saying. Even these demonic things they're talking about, I understand it. So for me, it felt like a miracle. It felt like something great. And so I went to church during my entire pregnancy. I also stopped smoking. It just left, you know, uh, that desire to smoke, that addiction. It wasn't there during my pregnancy. I was not yet ready to give my life completely to God, though I was understanding the messages. I would just keep coming with my friend most of the time. After I gave birth to my son, immediately the urge to smoke, which was gone during the pregnancy, came back. And I was smoking cannabis and cigarettes as I was breastfeeding my son. And I started hanging out again with gang boys. We would be in the stairs and we would just smoke together. 
I was separated from my boyfriend for some time. And um, then we decided to get back together and live together again. But the violence continued in our relationship. Things got to the point again where I had suicidal thoughts. And for the second time of my life, I was sent to a psychiatric hospital for seven days again. It came to a point where social services started initiating the procedure for me to lose custody of my son. When it hit me that I could really lose him, something changed in my mind. I was back at church, but this time with a real desire to meet and know God. And the more I press into my faith, the more God showed me that he had a goal and a plan for my life. The first time I heard God speak directly to me, I was shocked. I couldn't believe that a holy God like him could have such a fierce love for a sinner like me. God began working in my life and I have since been set free from so many things. Cannabis addiction, cigarette addictions, the cycle of violence, you know. Also, it's still something that, you know, I must work on because it was in my life for so long. I was set free from sleep paralysis, suicidal thoughts, so many demonic attacks that I used to have. And God changed my life. And when I found that, that I had a big destiny and purpose, I was completely shocked. I broke down. I cried. And I said to God, how can you have that for me? I'm, I'm just a sinner. Who are you, God, that you had that for me? I didn't realize that all of the things that I was facing, that all of these attacks were because of that, because I had a powerful destiny. And so when I started discovering that from God, he said to me, I took you and I will never let you go again. And I said, wow. And so I started working with God step by step so that I can get to fulfill the destiny and purpose he has for me. Many breakthroughs and miracles have happened in my life since then. As I mentioned, my boyfriend who became my husband when I became born again and I was told that I can't live with a man without being married. We got married, but we are now divorced and it's fine because we get on well. God is working on him in his life and I continue to work on myself as well, following God's guidance and instructions. I have three beautiful children. In 2018, I launched a TV program called Freedom and Life Now, which aired here in the UK on TV for 15 months. That was very powerful. And uh, I'm hoping to get back to doing it. I publish a book called 40 Days of Prayer and Fasting because prayer and fasting has been the tool that has delivered me from a lot of things. And this year, I am doing a Miss Competition. Out of about 2,000 people who applied, I was selected. I'm currently the one representing my city. What I can say is this. Your broken past doesn't have to be your future. God can redefine your life. God can rewrite your future. The future that he has for you. 
he can bring that future right to your life and you can succeed and become the person he created you to be. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, oh my goodness. That was, that's such a powerful testimony. I mean, God, God has brought you such a long way. Thank you for sharing. That's some really personal stuff, but I yeah. feel like the realer we are, I mean, the more it can bless someone. Hopefully, I hope someone hears this who, well, I hope no one has gone through what you have been through, but you know, I hope this serves as some encouragement. So I have so many questions. Um, let me see. <laughs> and so, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share it as well. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So the first time that you went to church or a born-again church, you said, you weren't fully ready to go all in. But then the second time, what do you feel, what do you feel like was different the second time that made you really want to go in with God? I think that um, some of the people at church were still praying for me because we had a, a book of prayer where I was asked to put my name, my phone number, and they regularly prayed for the people in, whose names were written inside that book. And also, it was meant to be. God meant this for me. And I think that's what he was doing. I believe redirected my steps. It wasn't a coincidence because everything that he showed me that he has for me, it's part of a plan that he already had before I was even in my mother's womb. So when the social services started the procedure for me to lose custody of my son, that is what God used. I felt like I can't be that woman who ends up without her own child. So that combined with the people still praying for me and with God, I was like, no, this, this isn't the way. This time, that's it. Something must change. So how long have you been walking with God now? I got baptized uh, in 2011 on the 30th of January. That is when I did my baptism by full immersion. And I said to God, I want to give him my life. So it's been nine years now, right? But I want to say this to every believer out there. After I got baptized, my life wasn't perfect. On that day, I knew that God was calling me to do it, you know, when the pastor said, you know, who's going to get baptized? I could feel it in my heart that God is saying, you know, take that step, give me your life. But I still struggle after that with quitting cigarettes. And the pastor used to see me and to say, you know, take the anointing or anoint your tongue and just declare that the cigarette will not enter your mouth anymore. And I would do that. Six months after I got baptized, it finally happened. I stopped smoking cigarettes. And that was it. The cannabis addiction had already been removed, but then the cigarette addiction was was still there. And I stopped completely. And I want to say all of my life didn't change, you know, in one day after I got baptized, you know. But step by step, God changed other things. I didn't lose custody of my son. You know, God gave me the victory. On the the day we went to court, they said that this woman, she has changed. She has turned her life around and we no longer see a reason to take her son away, you know. So there were other victories, but there were still things that God needed to work on, you know. 
I had to follow him through the process. So these nine years, it's been a lot of work, me working with God and keeping getting better and better and better every day. So I just want to say, don't expect that, you know, everything is just going to change in one day. You're going to, but every step you take to put in the work, to obey God, to obey, you know, that instruction that he's giving you, to learn from that message, to apply that message you learn at church in your life, you're going to change and you're going to become that great person, you know, that he created you to be. That's awesome. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that, but you already answered it. <laughs> so having gone through so much, just negative on top of negative, just all throughout your childhood, how have you come, I guess, to grips with that, to, just to not be bitter, to hang on to things from the past? Like, how do you live with that, you know, as a believer now, if that makes sense? Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you for this question. So for some time, I didn't even process properly everything that happened to me until I started writing this testimony and I started realizing from other people's feedback that this is huge, you know, what I overcame and everything. And I was like, whoa. And that is when I started looking and thinking, because for me, it was the normal. It was like, oh, this is normal. Sleeping at 3 a.m. somewhere in the woods, you know, and waiting for the next day to either go have a shower at my friend's place and breakfast and go to my aunt's place and then lie that, uh, you know, this is what I was doing and that, that's why I didn't go back home. For me, all of that was normal. You know, it's the normal stuff I went through. So it's through other people's feedback, I started realizing how powerful it is that I overcame all that. And then God taught me that grudges are not good. And forgiveness is not good. It just blocks you, you see. And I'm the kind of person that since I met God and I heard that he has a powerful destiny for me, I have wanted to experience every bit of it. And I'm the kind of person that I don't want to let things come in the way. So eventually I would open my heart to God and say, Father, Yes, I've had this unforgiveness. Yes, I've had this question. So help me now, you know. And a tool that has changed my entire life has been prayer and fasting. There are things that I was holding in my heart that God sat me down and he said, if you can't beat it this way, why don't you fast and pray? And when I started fasting and praying, I would go for seven days or for 21 days, you know, and I would just pray, Lord, remove these grudges from my heart. Lord, remove unforgiveness from my heart. And the victory stayed. And I started being free, you know. I don't hold any unforgiveness, you know, when it comes to the people who've done something negative to me. All I am is happy to be where I am today that I overcame and that I can be this person who encourages and empowers other people. And that is what makes me happy. And I see a struggle that I try, but it's still, mm, mm, mm. I just say, okay, for seven days, I'm going to give my heart to the Lord and he's going to work in me. 
you're giving your heart to the Lord. You say, no, Lord, I'm not, not going to be proud anymore. I'm going to be humble. I need your help because I cannot beat this on my own with my own strength. And then you just humble yourself before him with prayer and fasting. And he says he will hear, he will heal you. He will heal your land, you know, and then you receive that healing and you come out a new person and you can now move forward. I overcome and I go to the next step, to the next level. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about your book? Tell us about it and tell us where we can get it. Yes. uh, Amazing. Yes. So my book is about prayer and fasting. It's called 40 Days of Prayer and Fasting. Try God and receive your powerful victories now. And basically, it's about fasting, but not necessarily fasting the way you would fast, but listen to what God is actually asking you to fast from. I found out that, you know, it's not always, you know, just, oh, I'm just going to not eat food. Oh, I'm just not going to. Sometimes God wants you to fast in a specific way. And so it's about asking him, Lord, what do you want me to fast from? From social media for 40 days, from a specific food item only, and listen to that, obey his voice. And as you go through the fast each day in this book, you have a word and every word is designed for you to read it, pray it and appropriate God's blessings for you. And you come out of that fast with a breakthrough. I did that fast. And then after that, that is when my TV program happened and I I was on TV. So it's it's quite powerful. That's awesome. (laughs) So it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Yes, it's on Amazon. Amazon. Okay. <laughs> you can send me the Amazon US link and I'll make sure I put it in the notes so people can oh, find okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a little one there. So I guess I'll just ask you, Hey guys. <laughs> um, Jeremiah. Hi, Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll let you get back to your family here, but I guess um, I'll just ask, do you have any final thoughts of, or words of encouragement that you want to leave with us on today? Uh, Yes, our journey as Christians, it's not going to be perfect, if I may say so, because our perfection is in Jesus Christ. What we have to understand is that God is going to help us. God is going to work on us. And if every day we wake up opening our hearts to him and willing to let him do that, That is when we are going to be fruitful Christians. But when we close our hearts to God and we are proud and we say we don't need him and we don't want to learn and we don't want to be teachable, we don't want to humble ourselves, you know, then we are going to have problems as Christians, you know. It's not about the other blessings that you have. The, the amount of money and all that, though all of that is very good, it's very powerful, it's, it's, it's great, you know, but it's about, you know, opening your heart to God every single day. This is what I'm learning this year, this is what I'm learning right now, and humbling yourself before him and saying, Lord, I can't do this, but you can help me. And letting him be the Lord of your life, really, meaning that he's the one who guides you. He's the one who instructs you. And he's the one who 
picks you up even when you think you've fallen short and he gives you the solution and he helps you move forward. And sometimes you're going to have to repent of something wrong you did, you know. And then as you receive forgiveness through the blood of Jesus, you know, God is going to show you the way forward, you know. And um, always remember to be truthful and honest before him and behind closed doors as well, you know. Whatever you're struggling with is better to ask God, to go to God with that desire in your heart that you want him to help you rather than deciding that he can't do nothing about it because you're going to be amazed at what he can actually do about it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Testimony Service Podcast. We will be back next Wednesday. But in the meantime, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Testimony Service Pod. And as always, here is a sneak peek of next week's episode. My husband wasn't a Christian, so he would give me money and he would say, pay the light bill. And I would say, well, we're going to tithe first. He's like, what was, what's this tithe thing? What are you talking about? And so I would take that money and I would tithe. And then there wasn't enough money for the light bill. 